0: Amen. I'm so glad to be here this morning. It's really a joy and a privilege. Um, we will really not sing this day, but uh, I want the family to stand uh, so that you get to see them. Uh, what happened, uh, just uh, for those of you who might be visiting, I had told Pastor Eric that I would bring my whole family uh, so that the two families could uh, be together. Because we kept talking about it for years and didn't, it didn't happen. And uh, so when he was promoted to glory, I still told uh, Jeanette that I was still want to bring the kids worship with you, and so yesterday we came. But uh, when we were planning, um, well, we uh, something just, happened that I mean, caused my daughter again. to go on to Washington DC for okay. was important family business, so she, she's not here with us. But yeah, I have I my bit four bit kids and my daughter-in-law, and uh, so I want to let, let me introduce them according to age. So I want to begin in Africa. Festivals are very special. So <laughs> I want to invite Collins and his wife Hannah to stand so the can see them. So, that's our oldest. <laughs> so, to show how long we've known this church, because when I met Pastor Eric, uh, Collins was just a few months old. So that's, that's been many, many years. Actually, uh, Christopher was not yet around, so that's about <laughs> It's been a long, long, long time. And then uh, after that, Christopher was born, and then our second born was born, our about a, soon after that, also, Charlie. <laughs> uh, about a year younger than Christopher. And then Kaspar uh, is our third born. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, Celeste, the girl that's not here, she goes to Northern Kentucky University. She's our fourth born. Now last one now just going on to high school this year. But at uh, uh, a first year of high school. <laughs> 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 yeah. fun, I have to avoid saying our baby doesn't like <laughs> <called> a baby because <laughs> you don't want to call somebody that's six a baby anymore. <laughs> 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 very very fast. And uh, so I'm um, here with me and uh, happy birthday, Annie. So that's Um, I thank God for this ministry and how you've stood with us over the years. Uh, most of you, of course, uh, were not here the, you know, when we he began fellowshipping with this uh, fellowship and uh, was in that little church there when I used to come way back in the 80s. But God has been so good to us in many ways. Uh, the churches have continued to grow. When uh, Pastor Aaron was introducing me, he mentioned that several countries. Now, two of them, we are just entering there. Uh, there are two groups of churches in Burundi and Malawi that have asked me to kind of partner with them and kind of lead them, help them get organized and leadership and stuff like that. And actually, it's only an issue of finances. we have gone to hold on leadership uh, uh, conferences for them, those two countries. But uh, in the meantime, we have been able to establish a work, uh, several uh, churches in uh, Tanzania, 10 of them. And in Uganda, we just planted our church there and I'll be going there. So I need your prayers because in about um, six weeks or so, I'll be leaving to go to Kenya and I'll spend a few days there hold the a leadership conference. We are expecting quite a number of people, hundreds of people to come together for that conference. And then I will leave and go to Uganda and I'll have a two-day uh, leadership seminar. And I'll also dedicate the new uh, church. They are building some temporary structure they are building to worship in. And then I'll leave and fly off to Dar es Salaam, the capital city of Tanzania. And there we will be able to dedicate some land that we are purchasing to build a church there. So we thank God. And this morning, I, when I wrote to pastor just probably a month ago, I said we are praying that we'll be able to get funding for a church that collapsed. One of our churches uh, during the rainy, storms, uh, rainy season collapsed. But uh, this morning, I thank God, one church in Georgia said we we're going to pay for that cost. So, I don't have to worry about that money. Uh, so, whenever we go back there, we'll build two churches one in Tanzania and uh, one in, uh, in Kenya, in, in, uh, near Mombasa. Uh, and so, we are also praying and we have <clears> thought your leadership to continue praying for us because uh, before we return to Africa permanently, we want to be able to finish buying the land in Nairobi and building our own center. It will be a three-level building because we want it to be our training center. We want to be a place where we can bring in pastors and train them there, so it could be a school of ministry, it could be a church, and quite a few other things that we'll be doing there. So it will be really a big and expensive uh, uh, project, but I believe with the people praying for us and uh, supporting us, we're going to be able to do it. Amen. Amen. So we appreciate you very, very much, and we thank God for what the Lord has been doing through you, and uh, this morning, and especially this being the first Sunday that I'm ministering uh, since uh, my good friend, uh, your pastor, Patrick, uh, uh, went to be with the Lord. Uh, I uh, want to share a message that has something to do with that transition as well. I want to call my message this morning, Living and Enduring Legacy. I want to emphasize on the area on the of uh, well, you know, establishing yourself in a way that you leave a good name behind. Uh, it is, um, and I'll share, with, and I'll mention too, especially to people in the scriptures, David and Caleb in the Bible. We'll Those are the two people I'll follow, but especially the life of Caleb. you can between the, the book of Numbers, chapter 13. I'll be sharing uh, from Numbers. And then you can put your other finger in Acts, chapter 13, just one verse. Acts 13, verse 36. The question this morning is what legacy will you leave behind? What will you, your descendants, the people that come after you, what kind of life will they find? Let's stand up and read the scriptures this morning. I'll read from the New People's (laughs) Version. First, I'll begin from uh, uh, Numbers 13, verse 13, sorry, chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. In verse 6, it says, From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephemiah. And then in chapter 14, Verse 24. This is God Himself speaking. God says, But my servant Killeth, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. Some of the other Bibles will say wholeheartedly, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Please know that. He shall inherit it, but not just himself, even those that will come after him. Because of what he has, the decision he has made, not only will he inherit the land, but those who come after him, his descendants, will inherit the same blessing. Then come back now to the New Testament in, in the book of Acts, 100. chapter 13, verse 36. That's one verse. The days for David after he had served his own generation by the will of God fell asleep was buried with his fathers and so corruption David after he had served his generation let's pray father in Jesus name I pray that you speak to our house this morning and you will cause us to think about the foundations we are laying in our lives minister unto our spirits and prepare us Lord so that we will leave this. Church and our lives and our families better than we found them. The Lord will be people that will think about the kind of foundation we are laying, will be people that will think of living a good legacy for our sons and our daughters and those that come up after us. We thank you and we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people say. Amen. Amen. Let me sit at prayer. I was looking into the dictionary definition of legacy. He says a legacy is something handed down from an ancestor or a predecessor from, from the past. He says in, historic, in historical terms, a legacy is something that is handed down from one period of time to another time. A historical legacy, a historical legacy can be a positive thing or a negative thing. I can give a little example quickly here. I mean, you, if you hear the name Hitler, It's people today, I don't know whether you're sons and daughters, but definitely if you're Hitler's son, you don't even want to say you are. You know, the kind of legacy, you know, so it can be a good one or a bad one that uh, you leave behind. So it can be positive or negative. You know, some families pass objects and ideas from one generation to the other and you say they have left a legacy of some kind. These objects and ideas can be called legacies. Now, it can be individuals or uh, or groups and can be a church like this. You can establish yourself in a way whereby the future generations will benefit from the foundations that you have laid. That's why the Bible, one of the questions in one of the scriptures says, if the foundations be destroyed, what will the writers do? What will those that will come do? Because there are people that need to establish foundations that bless the future. So when we talk of legacy, we are thinking of terms words like heritage, inheritance, Patrimony, endowment, and so on and so on and so forth. We are also thinking of landmarks. What kind of landmarks we leave as we serve God in this life. I want to give you two illustrations of people who left a good landmark. I want to begin with the good. Later I'll give you the bad. But I want to begin with two stories of people, one in the Bible and one in America. Something that happened right here in the United States. A good thing. So I want to start with the Bible. In Acts chapter 9, you come across a story of a woman called Dorcas. You have a Bible person who has been reading the Bible, you have heard the word, the name Dorcas or Tabila, same person. Now this woman, in Acts chapter 9, she used to make clothes. You know, she was a same dress, and she made clothes for the poor people. And if you, from the story here, it seems like she used to give to them. Or if she didn't give them, she stole them at a fair price. And she did a good job so much so that one time when she... But well, she fell sick. She died, and the church was so concerned about her because they realized that the poor people would not have somebody who would be blessing them anymore. And they came crying to Peter, the apostle. They actually sent for him. They said, "Peter, please come quickly, because a woman that has been a blessing to us has died, and really we needed her around." There are not many people in the New Testament who are brought back to life, but guess what? They cried and they were weeping. The clothes that she used to make for them as they were weeping. And Peter was touched and she went, uh, to the, he went to the room and literally raised that woman back to life because he had left something that blessed the community for Jesus Christ. Amen. Was, I'm sure she was a prayerful woman and so on and so forth, but it was not just praying. She also added it like the, the story in the book of James where it says, Not just as you know, if I'm hungry, don't just tell me God bless you. you saying, Hey, if I'm hungry, I want to give me some food and then you can bless me. You know, in our country, we have a saying. that saying that when when guests come to your home, don't ask them why they came first. Feed them first. (laughs) That's a Kikuyu saying. I'm a Kikuyu. Our tribe is called the Kikuyu, and we we have that saying: saying when guests come, don't ask them why they came. Feed them first, and then ask them why they came. And it's very important. In other words, you know, you know, do something about their life. So the Dorcas is one story we find of a woman. Who that even death could not hold her because she had been so good yeah. to the church, and when the women cried even he- heaven heart and brought her back to life to continue serving the people. The other stories was took place here in America, and I'll dwell in that one because it was right here in America of a man that lived here and left a big, powerful heritage. His name is Jonathan Edwards. Anybody else heard that name? Jonathan Edwards. Now, Jonathan Edwards is known as one of the greatest and most profound. Of all American theologians and the revivalists of the 1700s. Great man. Now many of Jonathan and Sarah's Edwards' descendants became prominent citizens in America here. But he himself had said this in his one. I want to hear, he said this about his family. When you know people I wanted to know about his view of family and values. He said every Christian family ought to be, as it were, a little church consecrated to Christ and holy influence and government. By his rules, and he said, "And family education and order are some of the chief chief of the means of grace that happen to the to the home of a Christian." He was what all he was saying is that when I am a child of God, he was a preacher. But he said, "Before I become a preacher, I want to begin in my own home." I want to lay a good foundation in my children, and he says, I want my home to be a little church. Before I go to a bigger church, I want to begin with a bigger and quote, real powerful church, which is my wife and my children. Amen. Amen. So he laid such kind of foundation. I want to continue a little bit about him. Because of him, Jonathan and Sarah, they have this kind of very luminous li- lineage. I mean, I was going to say lineage. In Africa, we a lineage. America is a lineage. Okay. <laughs> So he this kind of very powerful uh, lineage. His his descendants, listen here, somebody decided to to research and see uh, whether if you are really a godly person, it means anything for your future. So some scholars wanted to study and say, So they took two people, a very ungodly man in the same village of Jonathan Edwards and, and Jonathan Edwards himself. So they did a research of the two people, one of them who was a drunkard, and evil an man, and all that kind of thing. They wanted to see a hundred years later what happened. Let me start with the bad guy. Okay, the bad guy's family. A hundred years later, they found there were all, many very poor people, most of them were on welfare, most of them were crooks, robbers, thugs, and nobody had a title. Nobody was a professional. A hundred years later, the, family, the lineage of his. Particular uh, evil man. I'm not going to dwell on him very much, but let me come back to Jonathan Edwards. In Jonathan Edwards, because of his belief, like I told you, it was what a a family ought to be, a little church. This is what happened. Out of his descendants, include one vice president, Aaron Bauer, uh, several college presidents. One of them is (laughs) Timothy Dwight, Jonathan Edwards Jr., and Mary Edwards Gates. These were heads of colleges here in America, part of his children. Jonathan and Sarah Edwards also were ancestors of one first lady, Edith Roosevelt. Okay, out of the same lineage. Uh, He was also a a grandfather to uh, one great writer, uh, O. Henry. He was the great grandfather to one of the publishers, Frank Nelson Doubleday. You know, we who read Christian books, you know, Doubleday publishers. Uh Uh-huh. Came from one of his, you know, people who came from him. And one writer, Robert Lowell, was from that. And I have a few statistics here. Somebody decided in 1900, I want to really see what has happened about this man in his future. This is what he found out. This man called Winship uh, studied what happened in 1,400 descendants of Jonathan Edwards. This is what he found. He found out that they include 13 college presidents, 65 professors, 100 lawyers and a dean of law school, 30 judges, 66 physicians, and a dean of medical school, and 80 holders of public office, including three US senators, mayors of three large cities, governors of three states, a vice president, that one I mentioned earlier, a vice president, and a a controller of the United States Treasury. And they they had also, these people, his descendants had had also written 135 books. It edited 18 journals and periodicals. Many had entered the ministry, and over a hundred of them were missionaries around the world. Now, that is one man, an American. Now, he was born like you. He was just like everybody. He chose in his life that I'm going to make a difference in my life and the lives of my people in the future. Amen. <laughs> and he determined. they checked, and all this, I mean, can you imagine that kind of statistics? This is the kind of thing I feel like, wow, I would like Something like that to be written about me in the future. In other words, it was not just... When when Jonathan Edwards, God saved him, he he received Jesus, he decided that his salvation was not just about him. It was not just about him, but it was about his family and everybody he touched. So much so that a hundred years later, when they started his life, they found that this guy has affected people from all over around the world. Something else about his life. Many large banks. Banking houses and insurance companies have been directed by people from that family. They have been owners uh, or superintendents of large coal mines, a large iron plant, and vast oil interests and silver mines. uh, There is scarcely any great American industry that does not have a family from that particular family. Just one individual who says, I'm going to follow God. Now, you have to believe what God says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What will happen? Other things will be added to him. I am sure Jonathan Edwards did not start praying, Father, give me three in one, one woman from my family will be a, a wife of a president and a sixth uh, college professor. No, no, no. He, that's what we pray. He said, Lord, I want to do your will. Amen. And he served God the best way he could, and so much so that a hundred and some years later, we find that his life has touched the whole of the United States. That one teacher who believe in God. He laid a good, solid foundation. My challenge for you this morning, especially because I'm talking just a few months after uh, the going home of uh, my friend Eric, and uh, we're talking about legacy, laying a foundation. And the question is now we're not talking about just him, let's talk about us now. What kind of foundations are we going to lay? And especially the family and the pastor now, Aaron, and others thinking now, yes, thank God, the pastor has laid a good foundation, but how about us? How are we going to continue with that? I have seen ministries. I've been ministering now for about 30 years since I was very young. And I have seen ministries that have collapsed. One, one bishop died in Africa. And he, I mean, we respected that guy. He was like, you know, the bishop of the city. But when he died, his ministry split, and there was all kind of chaos. And I remember just a couple of years after he was gone, his wife came begging for us to help her because she was in big trouble financially. And it was just simply the question of a a poorly laid foundation. And my prayer for you this morning, whatever, whatever field that you are in, we need, by the grace of God, I wish I'd even <laughs> time to tell you, you know, even about mm-hmm. the continuing the Jonathan Edwards thing, I don't have the time to tell you about it, but how today people still learn. Mm-hmm. Actually, several schools, theological schools have started a course mm-hmm. called mm-hmm. Jonathan Edwards Philosophy. Mm-hmm. I mean, a whole, you do a whole course yeah. in school, in college, about mm-hmm. this man. I mean, that's powerful what some, one person can do and, and change people's lives. I'm not let's see, and I'll let me not tell you just about Jonah Edwards. Let's come now to another person. I'll begin with the Bible now, and again now to a normal story of our own times. First in the Bible, in 2 Kings 4, verse 1, the Bible says you don't have to read, but you can write it down. But 2 Kings 4, verse 1, it says, a certain woman, you don't even know her name, but it's a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets, a preacher's wife. There's a preacher's wife. There's a one of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, you are servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. He was the same brother. But unfortunately, he says, The creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Somebody had died, lived a life, blessed so many people, but somehow there was no good establishment, and when he died, his kids were going to be souls, become slaves. See, all of us are called to be faithful stewards of the things God has entrusted to us. In the physical, in the spiritual, in the financial, whatever it is, God is calling you to be faithful word in all those things. I tell people many times, even when, when I teach pastors in, in conference, I say the Lord is not asking us to be uh, responsible of only the spiritual aspects of our lives. You know, prayer and study of the no, no, no. He is calling us to be responsible of every detail of our lives. Amen. I'm responsible. I want to lay a good foundation for my children so that when I am gone, they will not be beggars. Literally, so that you know, it's not only preaching and whatever else, but even my own life I want to lay a good foundation. The scripture says that a righteous man will leave a blessing or an inheritance to his children's children. Now love the bible. In other words, we'll be very careful to know how he invest both <laughs> financial and other areas so much so that when he's gone then the family will not suffer. And it's very important that we lay good foundations in our lives. Now, this, this, this preacher here in the Bible, his children were going to be sold to become slaves. Now, let me leave the, the preacher in the Bible now and come to a, a, another story in Africa. A few years ago, one of my friends told me a story about his own father. So I didn't hear it before, my party was his own father. This is what happened. A man died, a kikuyu like me, in one of our villages in a place called Moranga. He died. The funeral was very big, so many people came. Why? Did they come because it was not good? No, they came because the man was an evil man. They're not coming to see a good man be buried They the world. Come to make sure that he's buried and gone forever. So they came. And when they came to the funeral, everybody nobody wanted to say anything, including his wife and children. They had nothing to say about him. Everybody was saying, like, oh, bury quickly. <laughs> and now one, one man in the village stood up. A true story. One man said, okay, if nobody wants to say anything, I'll say something. He said, you know, and I wish I was saying it because it sounds so good in my language. You know. <laughs> and he said, you know, in this life, there are all kinds of seeds. Some seeds come and they prosper and they flourish and they bless people. And we mm-hmm. always pray that those seeds will hang around with us for a longer time. <laughs> but there are some seeds sometimes even in your farm, you see some of the bad crops that you know weeds that grow and you want to black them out and you want them to dry and be gone forever he said today we are battling somebody who is like that seed and he said and I declare to you today may this seed here dry and be gone from our generations and never to return forever the whole village said, amen a bad yeah, name yeah. man. <laughs> a bad name was to come. and he was—he had not laid a good <laughs> foundation. Including even his own children, his own son told me that story. Nobody wanted him. Nobody wanted him around anymore. <laughs> he was such a bad man. What kind of person are you? What kind of foundation are you laying? Like? Now we read two scriptures with you. One of David what? says, when David died. He had served his generation and he rested. In other words, we know, and of course when you read the whole Bible, even Jesus himself is very practical as Son of David. He did a good job until the scripture says when he had served his generation, he rested with the fathers. A great day. And I want to say something quickly here even before I forget. That sometimes it's not even a question of how long you live. All of us want to live to have gray hair and die when you are 90 and so on. It's not so very important. The important thing is that the few years you live, you live as unto the glory of God. Yeah. Just imagine, Jesus did not live to be 50 or 60. He was crucified at age 33 or so. But see what, he, what his life has meant to millions and millions of people. The question about your life is not how long you're going to live, but that the few years, whether it's 50 or 60 or whatever many years you live, you live to the glory of God and you lay a good foundation and you affect your family and your neighborhood and your community positively to the glory of God. Somebody say, Amen. Very, very important. The kind of legacy you live. Now, from the text we read in uh, Numbers, chapter 13, and I would have read a little bit of chapter 14, but I don't have the time. You can read on your own. There are some names that you see there, and I want to read them. Listen to these names, 10 of them. There's a name called Shaman, Shaphat, Eagle, Palati, Galdiel, Gade, Amion, Sethur, Nabi, and Geyuel. 10 names. Has anybody ever had those names? You feel you, you, like you know any you know, you of know, those people? No, even the preacher here. Basically, we don't know those people. You know who those seven names are? Okay, let me ask you the second question. How many of you know these like other two names? Caleb and Joshua. Aha! You know the other two. The other ten spies, we don't care to know them. That why they're named. We don't even know them. No, you can't. you don't even recognize their names. Why? Because they laid along, uh, their own foundation. They were careless. Now they live. And because of the kind of thing they did that time, we even preachers, we don't preach about them. I have preached many messages about Joshua and Caleb. I have never preached anything about Pardee, Gabriel, Gadi, Sethur. I didn't even know they existed in the Bible. Yet their names are there, but we don't care about them because of the kind of people they chose to become. Amen you got to understand, it's not that they became, they chose. It was a decision they made. And that decision has affected us, has affected generations forever. These are the guys that made the nation of Israel be made to stay for 40 more years in the wilderness when they would have gone, gotten to the, to the land of promise in only 11 days. Now some of you I don't know what they you know. It only takes about 11 to 14 days to walk from Egypt to the Promised land. You would have been there in two weeks. Look at 40 years because of the foolishness of these guys that we don't even remember. <laughs> that's what happens. That's what happens. That's what happens in our lives. Sometimes we, we, we waste time, we do whatever because of some little foolishness that happens, just like these uh, this other guys here. But we know Joshua and Caleb, the Bible told us, the God Himself says, But my servant Caleb has followed me wholeheartedly. God Himself, you know, sometimes not. I don't sometimes what anybody says about him because somebody someone will say something negative about him. but it's not important what others say about him as much as what God says about him. But Caleb himself, God himself says, my servant Caleb has followed me all And he said, because of that, I will not only bless him because of the foundation he has laid, I will bless even his generations. Amen. The good thing you do today will benefit your children and your children's children even to the 10th generation so we need to learn to lay a good foundation now one of the things about these fellows we, we read the 10 spies and the 12 if you read in and we're not going to read if you read in numbers 13 verse 2 the area we read with you and also numbers chapter 14 verse 6 and 8 you will notice that all of them were qualified leaders. When they came and Moses called them, they were not just rich people. These were qualified men. But in other words, sometimes it's not a question of your beginnings. All of them had good beginnings. And this is why it's very, very important. Just because of a, a good father and a good mother does not mean that you're not careful, you end up in a good place. Sometimes you may not. So it's a question of what you lay. These guys were very solid leaders because the Bible says in Numbers chapter 13 that each of them, the 12, were handpicked by Moses because they qualified to be wonderful leaders for each of their tribes. So they had wonderful beginnings. But you see, the choices we make in our life will determine what our tomorrow shall be. And may God help us because those decisions will affect our children and our children's children. Now Caleb he decided to be different. He decided to have a different perspective. The Bible says Joshua and Caleb were of a different spirit. Numbers 13, verse 30. The other ones, the other 10, they got caught up in what we call doing things by, by sight. The Bible says, The just shall live by faith. These guys were saying, Well, in our own eyes. We didn't read this, but they, they, they said it that in, in Numbers chapter 13. They said, In our eyes, This is chapter, uh, Numbers 13, verse 33. It says, when we saw the Nephilim, or the sons of Enoch, we looked like grasshoppers in their eyes. And that is where they made the mistake? They said, but even in our own eyes, we thought we were like grasshoppers. Now that's what happens when you start looking at the enemy and magnify his power. The scripture makes it clear. It says that he who is in us, Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, is bigger than he who is in the world. And sometimes the enemy will try to magnify the dangers, the the challenges in your life. But you've got to be like Caleb. Caleb looked and said, yes, I agree with you that the giants are there. I agree with you that the Netherlands are in that land. But one thing I know, he said, if the Lord is pleased with us, we will go and possess the land. Amen. Amen. What am I saying this morning? I don't know what challenges you have in your life. I don't know what uh, things that uh, are laid right in front of you. But the question is not how big the challenge is. The question is uh, where your focus is. The Bible says uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the Author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. You've got to open your eyes and look unto Jesus. Don't look unto the storm. Remember the story of Peter? Peter is walking on the water, and, and uh, as far as we know, nothing bad was happening. He was just having a good time walking on the water. But the Bible says, all at once, he fixed his eyes on the storms, on the billows, and, and the waters that were raging. The Bible says, that as soon as that happened, he started sinking. Amen. The same thing about you. If you're in your journey of light, if you fix your eyes on the things that are challenging you, you will fail. It's always important to realize that the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. They just run into it that they are safe. You are secure. You are safe and secure as long as you choose to have a perspective of Caleb. where you say? Well, if the Lord is pleased with me, the giants might be there. They may not be there, but I'm more than a conqueror. Amen. In Jesus Christ. Remember, the original question to them was, how to conquer the land? Well, to go and see how to conquer the land. But to them, very soon the other spies, their question was, should we conquer the land? See, when God has given you a directive, it's because he knows you can do it. He will never give us a challenge or a, a job that we cannot be able to fulfill. Any challenge that comes to our lives. Let me say this. And i anytime I talk about the subject of vision, this one statement I always tell people. When God gives you a vision in your life normally it's bigger than you. Almost always. Most of the visions that God gives you are always bigger than you. Why? Because you have come to them by faith. They're just only by faith. It's the kind of thing whereby you realize I cannot make it if it were not by His help. Amen. And that, that, that's the thing. And right now if you tell me some of the visions God has been putting in your life, if you are somebody that loves the Lord and you are praying, you realize that those visions are always bigger than you. The challenges that God always brings in my life are always bigger than me. Actually, when it comes to money and funding, they are usually bigger. You know, a few years ago, I came here and I shared with you. Some of you may remember when I was telling you that the Lord has spoken to me about bringing uh, water in Kenya. You so know, and, and I remember sharing. Most of you remember that I was sharing. At that point, I didn't have even one dollar for the project. I had just faith and God had put it. But I knew that was a mountain. Where do I get all this kind of money to get a drilling rig and everything else? Now as we talk, we have spent over $70,000. We have shipped the drilling uh, It's in Kenya. The Lord gave the money and then we bought the rig in America and we shipped in Kenya. And later on, in August this year, actually, we are, we are scheduling to do our test boreholes. Amen. God is faithful. When usually, when He brings that challenge in your life, it will always be bigger than you. But when you face it by faith, like Caleb said, Yeah, if the Lord is pleased with me, I'm going to conquer. I'm going to receive those things that God has given to me. But you need to choose to have an attitude that does not want to blend in. Here in America, the basic thing is try to look like. You know, let's, let's, let's all blend in. You know, you know there's the idea of trying to be politically correct. You and uh, I have seen it also, it's even in Bible colleges anymore. I was writing my paper and uh, basically we used to write, you know, our papers and we say mankind, and uh, so on, and him. And uh, this lady that was marking my dissertation, my doctoral dissertation, she put a lot of red marks. And I thought, crazy, I, I know this is good English, but she said, no, this is not acceptable anymore for any scholarly work. You cannot say, you know, him and whatever. And you, you, know, you, you have to use other kind of language, you know, kind of like modernizing the English language to be politically correct. Even in, in Bibles could kind of work. But you know, God is not worried about the situation and the circumstances. He still is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when it comes to the righteous judgments of God and the righteous standards of God, it does not matter what it is. Actually, God's holiness and righteousness are the same the way they were 4,000 years ago. It becomes that he expects the same thing that he expected 10,000 years ago. It does not change. change. It You same. Know, the cultures may change. And I do agree that some of the things that I, I happen in culture, we have to you know, kind of change according to cultural things. But when it comes to spiritual things of the Bible, God is not going to compromise with that. He is not going to agree with the Holy Word. I mean, he is God. And he's not going to ask us whether we will vote about it. He is the King of Kings. He gives directives. And we need to learn that as we lay our foundation that he's not asking you whether you vote for it or not. You're not asking whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. You know, no, no, no. His righteous standards are the same forevermore. And we need to learn that. You know, once in a while I preach in some places and people say, Armstrong, you are saying this because you're an African. No, the Bible I'm preaching is not African, it's of, the, it's of God of the universe. Yeah. It has nothing to do with being in Africa or not. When God speaks, he speaks the same language. Yeah. I have preached in different countries. I was in Pakistan, and I saw that some of the cultural differences were there, were things that I could see. When I came to the church, I thought, what is happening? This is, this is a new church or something, because there were no pills. So I'm thinking, they are thinking of building. No, that's how they are. They don't put pills in the church. They sit on the floor. <laughs> you know, like a, I was in for a cultural show, you know, they, they sit on the floor. The only people who sit on chairs are the pastors, and the, and the pastor's wife at the back there. Yeah, everybody else is sitting on the floor. You know, I was not used to that. That was a cultural thing. But when it came to preaching the gospel, I preached in Pakistan just like I'm preaching this morning, because the standards of the Bible are the same everywhere. And that's what K- Joshua and Caleb understood. They understood that, yes, everybody else may say what they want to say. The other spies may say what they want to say. But they say we are not going to start with the majority because many, many times God has stood with the minority. Many times. There are times that he has just stood with one man when the whole nation was against God. And so sometimes, you know, sometimes you have said, oh, you must be wrong because you are just alone. No. The question is to go back to the scriptures to see what is God saying about the decisions I'm making. And you know that the decisions you are making are based on what God has said, then you stick with that decision. Don't follow what anybody may say, and sometimes that will mean taking risk. Now, for the for Joshua and Caleb, it was a terrible risk. Remember the story? We didn't get the time to read this morning. But what happened? They said, "No, we can make it." The Lord said, "We can do it. We are going to possess the land." Well, the other ten guys said, "No," and the whole nation turned against Joshua and Caleb. The Bible says they took stones and they were going to stone them. A big risk. Now you don't find Joshua and Caleb say, oh, we apologize, oh, we forgot. No, no, no. They stood on the promises of God. And sometimes when you are laying a foundation in your life, you'll find that sometimes it's God who stand alone. As long as, listen, when God is to your side, you are a majority. It doesn't matter how many people will be against you, as long as God Almighty is on your side, you are a majority. The Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? And the idea is that, that no armies, nothing can conquer you when God is on your side. When you lay your spiritual foundations for your family, for your marriage, please don't allow the enemy to discourage you. You are more than a conqueror. God is for you and it's on your side. And you need mm-hmm. to learn, even sometimes, to take risks. It will happen. We are reading there. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. And you have to learn that he was writing in chaos. Again, a big challenge. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, the challenge may be big, but I'm not doing it by myself. I'm doing it through Christ who strengthens me. I have to quickly uh, quick go into that. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. When things get rough, this is a good attitude to have. Paul wrote this from here again. He says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. That I may lay hold for that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I pressed once a goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What he was saying is the challenges may come, but I want to focus on what the Lord will do in the future. Because basically what happens is is you have tried again and again and you have failed. And the enemy tells you, Because you failed before, you're going to fail again. As you lay your foundation, you have to always remind yourself it's not about you, it's about him. And when he has given you the command, it's because he knows you will give the ability. So Paul says, I can do all things through. Christ is praying with me, but I also choose to forget those things that are discouragement and failures of the past, and believe that the God who has told me to do what He has told me to do will give you the power and the wisdom to accomplish what He has given. Me. Amen. So, what is it that God is telling you about your ministry, about your vision, about the areas that you need to become? Uh, not only in the ministry, but normal life with between you and your wife, your children, and so on and so forth. Don't let the devil discourage you. You are more than a conqueror. Allow yourself to be like, like Joshua and Philip who said, let us go up at once. Numbers, 13, number 13, let's go at once and process what well, we are well able to do. It. But the next thing you need to have is boldness and confidence. In the midst of the opposition that these two guys who are you know, when they came against them, they were supposed to cry out in fear but the, the Bible says they fell down on the ground and they started calling upon the name of the Lord. There are times when you almost don't know what else to do, but there's always a place of rebound at the feet of Jesus. When all else has failed, and I'm telling you, in my own life and ministry, there are times that I almost came to the end. One time it was so bad that my wife came touch and touched me. She thought I had died or something in the night. I mean, things were just bad in our ministry, and I was so discouraged. And I remember I was just saying, Lord. And I kept saying, Lord, do things go like this. And I, I couldn't talk. i could, For three days, I was just like, I didn't know what, what to do. But there was only one thing I remembered the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the, child, the righteous will run into it in those storms, and they will be saved. And I kept crying under the name of the Lord for three days. I didn't want to eat, I didn't want to go out. I was yes. just there calling upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord saw me through. He will do it in your life. Now as I come to our closing here. Forty-five years later, Caleb comes and he is eighty-five. You think an eighty-five year old man, what is he doing here? You see he comes and tells Joshua, Joshua, you remember when we came here, God talked about you and me. And he said we have we will conquer this country. He said, The no, Lord said, I'll have land. And of course, anybody would think Joshua was asking for the conquered territory. No. He says, I want you to remember this land of the giants, Hebron area. That's the area I want. He says, Give me this territory. Give me this mountain where the giants were already there. They had not been conquered. He is 85 years and he says, Hey, we are not going to have any unconquered territory in Israel. What am I talking about this morning? You've got to learn to be consistent. If there is anything that even your pastor here, prays about. In the spirit of consistency in the lives of the believers. I'm a leader within quite a number of churches in Africa. And one thing that uh, makes me very happy is when I know that I can trust the leaders that are there to do what I've t- told them or what I've discussed to, for them to do. Because normally, uh, especially when I read all this, this you know, like I you we raised like the the money for the green wing and so on is big money. You want people that are faithful, people that are consistent. And if you want to lay a good foundation for your future generations, please learn to be a man and a woman of integrity. I trust person somebody when you give your word, it's your word. Just two years ago, I was going to go uh, out of the country. and this, this preacher brought me some money to take to his people back home, and, uh, you know, he was working very hard and he gave me this envelope. And because we've been together, we, we, we know each other very closely, he just told me how much that money was, I believed him. And I took it with me to Africa. When I got there, I asked his father and his brother-in-law, I told I him, come to bed with a bit of money, I told him give him an envelope, I said, would you please count the money so that you are sure? that uh, all the money that your son gave me to bring you in America is there. They told me, Bishop, who were told, he called them. I didn't know he had called them. He told them, when the bishop gives you that money in an envelope, don't you open it. Go with it, because whatever he says that money is, that's what you will be. And I was moved to tears because this man even made sure he told them that that man is faithful enough that when he says there is $10,000 in that envelope, it could be ten thousand dollars, and we need to ask God to give us integrity, whereby somebody can give you a million dollars and is not thinking whether you're going to play about with his money. Faithfulness. I remember years ago when I was here. I still knew Pastor Eric those days way back, and I remember uh, right. My wife was still in Africa way back when I was going to school here. And we wanted to open an account in Nairobi. Those days we didn't know about wiring money very much and so on. So I wanted to open an account to so that I can send this money to one of our African people. Yeah, my wife had just come to America and I told her, honey, we need to, to start saving a little money when we get back to Africa, you know. And so we said, okay, we we'll want and so we listed our friends. And to be honest with you, we only had three names after a big listing of people we could give money and trust them not to about Now we need God to put within us such lives that we are trustworthy. Transparency. <coughs> and let me tell you, if we can become that, because you see, we don't, it's Francis of Assisi who said, you go and share the word and you may speak if you have to. What was he saying? He was saying you don't have to, to say anything. All you need is to be faithful and trustworthy and people will be attracted. The Bible says that you will leave the Son of God, and what will happen? He will draw all men unto himself. You see, sometimes it's not a question of preaching, sometimes it's not even a, a question of you know the hallelujah religion. No, it's a question of allowing the Holy Spirit to change. Hallelujah. And make you a child of God so that you walk in the purity and the righteousness of God so that your neighbors, your friends, your wife, your children will see the glory of God in your life. Not even about preaching and i'm i'm, I'm learning even i'm a preacher but i've been asking the lord the last few years i've been saying lord change me that i don't necessarily have to preach but live a life whereby to attract people to the kingdom of god please lay a good foundation for the future generation lay a good foundation for the people who come into this church people who don't know about jesus and probably the only thing they know about that Jesus is you. May they see Jesus shining in your life. May the radiance that will come from your life, your words, and, and your behavior, and even your body language will show that Jesus Christ is Lord in your life, the glory of God the Father. This morning as you lay your foundation. Joshua and Caleb, they laid good foundation so much so that we don't remember the other people by name at all you do remember that there were two people, Joshua and Caleb. Even this church, I'm sure there's a Caleb probably. There's a Joshua probably. Because normally we know we are proud of the foundation of the label. As I close this morning, I see these two men, especially Caleb, men who learn to walk by faith. Men who walk by faith. Hebrews tells us, Hebrews 11, 16, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I want to close with this particular aspect. Joshua and Caleb, the only thing that made them conquer was they believed in a God that is able. They forgot what everybody else said. And by the way, the reality, the uh, practical, the pragmatics of the whole story is the other guys were right. When you think about the, the human arguments, it was true. What you are saying is right. But sometimes it's not a question of what uh, experience is. Sometimes experience has, has, can be the, the biggest problem to your life. So sometimes you failed and failed and failed. So experience says, I failed, therefore I cannot do it. No, no, no. There are times to go back to the scriptures and say, what has God said? And just take him by his word. The Lord loves people who take him by his word. If he says it, just go on and do it. They used to say it here in America. I remember years ago when I was here, you know, many preachers would, would always say, God says it, I believe it, and that's settled. Now you know what? That's not really a very good statement. The thing is, God says it, that's settled. Whether you believe it or not, it's still settles <laughs> it. But, you know, God says it, I believe it. They said, no, no, no. Whether you believe it or not, that's your this. He said it. And because he said it, go into what you has said. And God will bless you for it. Joshua and Caleb had faith in God. Did, they didn't even have to know the pragmatics of it. They didn't even know how it is going to work. You know, they didn't know how God deals with child. They had never met the child before. But they believed that if God is pleased with us, we are going to conquer. They laid the story foundation. Which we live years later, 45 years later, we see that the nation of Israel is still benefiting from the faith of these two men. The same thing about your life. May God challenge you this morning as we pray that the decisions you make today, this time, this season of your life, please know whether you like it or not, the repercussions, there will be repercussions. Just like I said, a legacy is not necessarily a positive word. It can be negative, it can be positive. You know, it's a question of what you choose. But if you make the right choices, your generations will benefit from the decisions you make. Other people in your community will benefit. Jonathan Edwards, he's been gone for years. His life today is being celebrated. I think it's the Lutheran church last year or the year before the Luther of being thing around the world about Jonathan Edwards. They honored him. Yale, Yale University just opened a center called Jonathan Edwards Center. I mean, to this day, because of the cause of a man who changed faith, I'm going to do for the Lord. I don't care what everybody says. I wish I had time this morning to tell you about how many people hated him even then and fought him. Actually, at one time, they kicked him out of the church. Amen. But his life still stood the test. The people will be against you. But don't worry, your know, challenges may come. And guess what? Not even outside the church, even within the church. Joshua's friends were not outside the church. I told you they were all leaders. They had been appointed by Moses. They were just leaders, and yet they were very negative about the spiritual thing. So the challenges may not be out there. They could even be here. Stand with God, and you see the victory of the Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. For every person that has had this message, we will consider seriously the kind of foundations they are laying in their lives. Father, this morning, we confess that at times we are not all that we should be in the kingdom. Sometimes you build our foundations in the side. Very bad sign. And some of our buildings are. Collapsing right now. We are built on ground that is thinking, that is not good. But today, today, Lord, by your grace, by your strength, we pray that you help us and come to us by your grace and help us to build solid foundations that will benefit not only this church, but our individual lives, the lives of our sons and our daughters, our communities and this nation. If one man, Gentleman Edwards, could influence his generation and other generations in the future, we believe the Lord, by your grace, we too can affect other people positively. Leave a great legacy for God. Good morning, as we pray. As you have heard this message, it's really About every one of us, what kind of foundation are you laying? The Lord is speaking to each of you. You make the right choices. You've gone through a a big transition as a church. You are still in that transition right now. But even for your own lives please make choices sure that will bring blessing to your children and your children's children. You want me to pray with you? You feel the Lord is speaking to your heart and you feel like oh that message is just that was meant for me I I have to change my ways I need to lay the right kind of foundations. I'm allowed some laxity I'll slow lazy areas and nervous. I'm not in where I should be and I want to lay a good foundation for my sons and my daughters. I want to be a good example. If you feel like that and you want to say with you, please pray with me. Just stand up wherever you are, i pray with you. right where you are. You don't even have to come right and you are. Just stand up and say yes to the Lord. He will remember you. He knows you. He knows your needs right now and can want to say yes to Jesus, the memory of your life. If you say it's come unto me, all you know, it's labor in the heads of and I'll give you rest. Some of you are going through some struggles right now. So now, peace of mind. We want to lay those burdens at the feet of Jesus, just under the table, table. I see that it Name of the Lord. It's a mighty tower, a strong tower. You can run into it this morning and you will be safe and secure. If you're struggling in your mind and your spirit and you want to say yes to Jesus in any other area of your life, just stand up right now. I'll pray for you right where you are, but after the church, if you want special prayers, please, please, you can come. We'll be available. We'll be here. We'll take time with you personally and uh, just pray with you. But right now, I want to pray. You right where you are. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for all these that are standing up. Identifying with the message this morning about Caleb and David. People who served their own generations and because of laying a solid foundation. We know about them today. We are, we are being blessed by their lives to this hour. Father, this morning, as your servant, I speak blessings over these ones that are standing up in Jesus' name. And I pray the Lord Jesus, you're going to minister unto each and every one of them. That Lord, you lay a very strong foundation in their life. That you know they are standing on the rock. And that they will be safe and secure. But I also pray that if any of them have sinned or you know, has fallen short of your standards, the uh, biblical holy standards, Father, in Jesus' name, I speak blessings over them as well. Your Word says, "If we confess our sins, you are faithful." And just, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. I speak blessings upon every one of them. I pray the Lord today, as they make up this this, this big decision, this big transition, that they'll go into the next level by your grace and your power. In Jesus' holy name, I speak the next level to each and every one of you. I speak victory. I speak the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your life right now. In Jesus' name, receive breakthrough right now. Receive breakthroughs. receive the freedom of the spirit that you will never be the same again. The spirit of the living God is upon you. You direct your steps. Father, may you send your spirit upon every one of them. May you send your mighty angels also to surround and protect them as they go on their ways, oh God. And Father, we'll rejoice as we see each of these brothers and sisters being victorious in their individual lives. We thank you and bless you. We also speak blessings upon this whole church, Lord. I speak blessings upon the leadership of this church. We thank you, Lord, for the work that you've been doing in the lives of the pastor and his wife and the the rest of the leaders of the Van Bastard family. And how, Lord, these people have uh, laid a wonderful foundation in this church and how, Lord, we, we see the legacy of the man of God. Father in Jesus' holy name. I pray that God this church will grow and will go to the next level. That the devil will not find any loophole in the name of Jesus. But God These sons and daughters of the man of God will rise to the next level in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Satan will command you, you will not touch this church. You will not touch any, any part of the leadership. This church will rise to the next level. The man of God had vision about how this church will grow and be a great body that will impact the state and the nations of the world. And Father, we declare that it will be fulfilled. It will come to be in the honor and the glory of your name. Bless your people this morning as they leave, Father, that the glory of the Lord will touch and minister and to everyone that has had this message. Father, I declare upon that there will be Joshua's and Caleb's. They will walk in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I speak healings of life. I speak healings for marriages. I speak healing, Lord, of relationships. This morning, in the name of Jesus, that this child will rise in power. Than ever before. To the honor and the glory of your name. Hallelujah. Let's stand up, everyone. Just thank God for a few moments. Just bless the name of the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you. We bless your holy name for this service, for the challenges. And I pray the Lord Jesus, as we have heard about the stories of men in the Bible and men of today, Jonathan Edwards and others, God, let our spirit be spread in this church. Men of victory, men of purpose, men of destiny, men of integrity, families that will be established in the kingdom of God, and we thank you because of your faith. We give you glory, honor, and praise, and we declare it's going to be so to your honor and your glory in Jesus' name and all God's books. Amen. 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 God bless you. We'll be here for a moment.